Well, I find it an extreme um, pleasure, and uh, I'm thankful that uh, I'm able to bring the word to you today. And um, I want to be able to uh, take us on a journey for the next uh, few weeks until Advent. And um, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm wrestling because I have, I, I need to go somewhere, but I'm, I need you all to come with me because I can't go alone. And uh, I want to talk about kingdom life and your money. Kingdom life and your money. And um, so I'm going to start this off with trust fund. A trust fund. I also want to be able to tell you is that some things that I'm, I'm going to say in this series will be prophetic in nature. Because I want you to understand that where we are going will give you steps and help for the future. The future is not something to be fearful of. It's something that you, as a Christian, as a believer, can prepare for and walk in victory with as you walk with what God's doing. Because a lot of times we take life and we make... We, we have an overlay, and we put the church, we overlay the church with the things of the world. And what happens when we do that in finances, we miss what God wants to do. What God desires to do in and through us is not have the overlay of the world on our finances. He desires to have our finances overlay the world. Well, I don't feel very rich. Well, after today, you will have a trust fund. How many know what a trust fund is? Okay, only a few of us do. Well, here's the, here is the definition of a trust fund. A trust fund is a fund comprised of a variety of assets. There's a little bit of a ring, Dale, if you could help me with it. Intended to provide benefits to an individual or organization. The grantor establishes a trust fund to provide financial security to an individual, most often a... Thank you. Oh. It needs to be closer to my mouth. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. No, that's good. I'm glad that someone knows what's going on. There you go. Thank you. Thank you, sir. The grantor establishes a trust fund to provide financial security to an individual, most often a child or grandchild, or organizations such as a charity or other nonprofit organizations. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 17, and starting at verse 5. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. 
whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness, in an inhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought. For it does not cease to bear, and so, sorry, in year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. I have to put that all together. Let me do that again. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. Who else can you, does that remind you of any other verse in the Bible? Try Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Or, sorry, it's about verse 3. Blessed man who trusts the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord, he is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and it's not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We ask that it would be quicker and powerful than a two-edged sword, revealing the thoughts, the attitudes, the intentions of our lives. Lord, that we would, in fact, hear what your spirit is saying to the church. Lord, we thank you. We praise you for all that you are doing. And Lord, we welcome your instruction. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So here, according to Jeremiah, trusting yourself is like being a shrub in the desert. You might survive, but your existence will be extremely dry. Not only will you not produce anything of value, the prophet Jeremiah claims you shall not see any good come. Even if you do accomplish something, it won't take root and grow on its own. Think of a wealthy businessman who relied on his own strength to make his fortune. He sacrificed all of his time with his family so he could give his kids a massive inheritance. Ask yourselves this. Do you think his kids are naturally set up to be healthy people who will continue his legacy? Think of the frugal woman who refused to receive anyone else's generosity. She was too proud to take anything that she did not earn herself. So ask yourself this, do you think people found her easy to be friends with? No. Our text says that trusting in God leads to a wellspring of life, but trusting in ourselves leads to a desperate kind of sickness. But we don't think of trusting ourselves as a bad thing. In fact, we use other positive words for it, like self-reliance, confidence, 
an old word, gumption, boldness, sufficiency, strength. And we often see people who are trusting themselves and seeing things happen around them, we consider them successful. We place them on a pedestal and emulate. They sell many books, how you can make a million dollars by following my five steps in real estate or whatever. And so we celebrate that, but really all of that is one word, independence. This is why Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things. We can make our own independence into a virtue and then deceive ourselves into thinking that we do not need to trust in God. We move through life as though the only person we can count on is ourselves. If we fall short of our own standards, we might feel hidden shame, but we only have ourselves to blame. Trusting others, and most importantly, trusting God, is never something we have to do. So we don't take risks. We don't move beyond our present capacity. We don't give from our best. And perhaps this is the worst symptom of all. The heart who trusts only itself is not generous. On its face, the lack of generosity doesn't seem like the worst fate. But the heart that cannot give is the heart that cannot love. Think about the most famous verse in in the Bible that many of us know. It's in John. It's John chapter 3, verse 16. How does it begin? For God so loved the world that He gave. If you cannot give sacrificially, abundantly, and beyond your own ability, you cannot love. Wow, you are being harsh, Pastor. This is where we have to be careful because the tendency is that we will overlay the world onto our Christianity. But you don't know what it's like in my world. You don't know how I'm struggling. I have not enough money for the rest of the month. Or you don't know what my job is like. Or, haven't you read the papers about the economy? Believe me, I'm in different worlds, one being political and one being spiritual. And even in my own finances, there can be cause for panic. I'll give you an example. Barb and I have been saving our shekels for a hot tub. We have saved, we have saved, we have scrimped. Matter of fact, we have put a deposit down and we have 
we weren't going to go into debt with this, but we wanted to save. And so we saved the final amount and paid for it. And God has provided. All of a sudden, just this week, I get a call from the hot tub company and says, I'm asking about the delivery when the hot tub has come. And they said, um, Mr. Schramm, we're sorry, but we made a mistake. You need to pay us more money. <laughs> uh, my wife says, wait till I talk to them. You see, in today's vernacular, even a contract that you have signed and you have completed and you have followed through is still can be meant with contempt and changed. In this day and age, even though you may sign something, you ne not necessarily will everything follow through 100% of the time. You can look at the economy where we have, even in this particular instance, in this community, where at once we were having almost 250-some housing starts in a year. We are less than 50 this year. I could point out things after things, but the point is, is that when you overlay the world's economy onto your finances, you only get what the world will give. And oftentimes the world doesn't play fair. Right. And so the tendency or the temptation is for you not to play fair either. Or it allows you to become stuck in a poverty mentality that says you won't have enough. So I better hold on to what I have. Contrary to a generous mindset. Now, some of you aren't going to be happy with me, and I'm going to still preach at you anyway, okay? Because really, money is not the issue of what I'm talking about. It's really a matter of the heart. And I won't settle for just pacifying the, the issues. I have to be able to dig deep and go for the heart. So I'm going to do some heart surgery this morning, and I hope that you will still love me afterwards. Thank you for that one amen. <laughs> you will still feel love in your heart sometimes. Now, let me go back. If you, can, if you cannot give sacrificially, abundantly, and beyond your own ability, you cannot love. You will still feel love in your heart sometimes, but your own reservoir will not be refilled. Real love needs to be given in order to be received. The person who cannot be generous with their time, their money, their resources, their energy, will eventually live in the desert that Jeremiah prophesied. They will have enough to keep their own shrub alive and not much more. This is why you can't really talk about the kingdom without really talking about finances. And Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven, than he did about hell. And so, I'm going to meddle. That's okay. 
I'm not even going to wait for an amen. I'm going to say yes. <laughs> Talking about money always makes some people uncomfortable. But usually the people who are the most uncomfortable are the ones who struggle the most with the spirit of generosity. They've carefully rationed their reservoir and they don't want to s- some loudmouth pastor asking them to give what they've already reserved for themselves. This means that if I can tell your face is troubled with what I'm about to say, then I'm only going to preach more to your face. Why? If it was just about money, then I would move past. But how you express generosity with your money is the window into the condition of your soul. Well, and I I care far too much about your spiritual condition not not to bring it up. So fortunately, your heart is based on feelings, right? Like I know I'm loving because I think nice thoughts about people, or I feel nice feelings, or I sometimes say nice words. If it doesn't matter what I do with my money, does it? I mean, it's not like the one person who counts is measuring where my heart is by where my money goes. For where your treasure is, Jesus said, your heart is also. Someone is measuring. Jesus seems to think that serving God can only happen when we trust in God. And he also seems to think that trusting God is first about what we do with our money and our material goods. We often go to this passage in Matthew chapter 6. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body or what you will put on. It's not, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, sow nor, reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valued than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. Neither they toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. It's impossible to be anxious while we're trusting God. And it's impossible not to be anxious when you're trusting in ourselves. Our money, our resources... They can only serve one of two masters, either God or mammon. And we pick which God is mighty to us by how we use the limited resources we have. Do I have this money to first meet my own needs? Or have I been blessed to be a blessing? Is this why generosity is an act of worship? When you give, you are literally saying, I trust you, God. I know you'll do right by my sacrifice. And this is why stinginess actually worships mammon, the materialistic God of this age. 
There really isn't any other choice. When you're faced with an opportunity to be generous with our money, time, and resources. Am I saying that you cannot use any of your money for yourself? No, I'm not saying that at all. The scriptures are clear. There is a seed for sowing and bread for eating. Generosity without stewardship can be self-destructive. Here's an example. Take giving blood. If you go to the clinic or you go down to the Brian King to give blood, if you just go to the clinic and cut your veins open, you'll die without helping anyone. That was a, I'm glad we're following me and we're, the joke is kind of going, oh yeah, ha ha ha. You'll die without helping anyone. Am I saying that you have to give in every possible opportunity in order to be loving? No. But it should be our goal to be ready to give under every circumstance. Is that not the measure of a true, of a wealthy life? That you were able to give without hesitation in joy and in freedom toward every need. What else could be the measure of true abundance? Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, here's the instruction. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You know the measure you are ready to love by the amount you give cheerfully. We, I really believe that there are things that have taken place, and I will go through this in this series because I want to be able to bring, a, bring an understanding. Because I would desire more than anything to have a culture that is giving. You know what? I, as, a, as a pastor of this church, I am amazed by the giving that is, that is represented in this room. Um, we had Steve Backhouse here, and we told him that we were financially going through a rough time, and so we couldn't guarantee him any money, but we said we'd take an offering. We took an offering, and... Uh, you gave about $1,600. There were people here on Thanksgiving Sunday night. Stephen was so impressed that he wanted to give a lot of it back. And quite frankly, I had to tell him, I said, Stephen, we, we need to understand is that what we were doing as a church we were acknowledging that if you read 2 Corinthians chapter 9, we are thanking the Lord for your gift. So therefore, you must receive it. Also, we never want to feel that there is a tendency. I want all of you to understand that what you give to goes to 
what you give for. There is not in this, in this church ever a chance where someone would give something and I would turn around and receive it back and say, oh, thank you for giving to Stephen when I've allowed the church to benefit from that. No, never. What has been given goes. And so we had, I told Gina, we have to give, we give it all. And whatever Stephen wants to do with that gift, that is up to him. Because basically what we are doing is we are thanking the Lord for his gift and what he has given him and his wife, Claire, and therefore we are the beneficiaries of being an instrument that God gave to say thanks and to be, to be generous in his life. I sat in a in a in a, uh, a banquet last night for the bridge, and they they need fifty thousand dollars a month to run the bridge. They are only getting close to half of that amount. So in that banquet, they said if 600 people gave so much a month, they would be able to handle to get up to that $50,000. I am sitting there thinking to myself, I, I want to be able to do more. I would love to be able to help. But we have seen our giving go down to the bridge. It's... We, were, we took on the, just so that everybody understands, we had taken, uh, Randy and Ryan are not two guys, but they are husband and wife, okay? <laughs> and we took them on to raise their support so that they could do youth ministry at the bridge. We looked after their salary the first year. The second year, it went down by half. And if trends go, it will go down and... We're hoping it won't go down another half, and we've had to look at things because of our own situation of what we can do. Church, I never want to get to the place where we are having to adjust because we're not being generous. Amen. Oh, boy. Okay, I... I also want to say is that, I, that life is more than just what, we, what is happening, is that God desires to use us to furthering and to be thankful. I don't want to say these things to you to compel you to give out of guilt, okay? Because that's where it kind of goes when I start talking about that. Because on one hand, I kind of praised you. On the other hand, it feels like I slapped you. <laughs> and I don't want to do that. All I'm trying to do is that there is, on, on one hand, we have, to be, we have to watch how we look at the area of giving. And what I, what I sense the Lord telling me, and especially this morning, is we have a great benevolence in our giving, we haven't reached the area of generosity in our giving. 
When there is a need that happens right now, we are the, we can, there has been times where we have given over an abundance to, the, to bless someone's socks off. But when it comes to a, a place of faithfulness in the longevity, we tend to hang back because we forget the enthusiasm or we've lost that enthusiasm or we've lost the faithfulness to the long haul to the very things that we've committed ourselves to. Now, should we commit ourselves on a long term to the bridge? I think that's a, that's, that is a good question and I think it's, it's something that God calls us to bless the poor. And when we bless the poor, there are, there are scriptures that tell us that He will never let us falter because we have been blessing the poor. You want a blessing on your finances, you give to the poor. You will have more than enough. It's like you'll be lending to God. It, the Scripture says you are lending to God, and God always comes through with, on the other side of the ledger to pay back what has been given. Church, I'm just wanting us to understand that Generosity is this trust fund. When you give, God always has your source that you are able to continue to survive and live. Because the Scripture says, you live and move and have your being in Him, not in your own ability to handle what things that you think you need for yourself. You are technically in a war, and you don't even know it. Every time you turn on the TV, there is something that is grabbing at your attention that you need to have. Even my grandson, he said, he said, Granny, he said, Granny, that's much, and he's looking at our our wall that has the TV on it, he says, that's much too small a TV for such a big wall. (laughs) Quite frankly, I like my TV. It's 70 inches. It's a nice big TV. And I was ready to give him an extra five bucks. (laughs) But the fact is, is that there is this tendency that we, we... there is this gravity that's always pulling, us the, pulling at us to have more, to want more, to do more. And there are things that you are, that is assaulting your mind all the time. And we give into it because we don't really realize the war that is on our finances. And what it creates is that I don't have enough to do what I want to do. You know what? There was a time where banks allowed churches to have no bank fees. Those days are over. They've been over a long time ago, but we pay fees. We lose money even in when you give. There, I, what, the fees are about 3% on Visa. Uh, right now, if you use Tithely, and there's a little thing in the Tidely app that if you choose, you can cover your fees 
in the tithe layout. We have half about half and half right now. Half are using are covering their fees and half aren't. So we are losing money when you pay that way. Gone are the days where it was cash, check, debit card even. Now it's it's those things have, have, have evolved to a different level. In order to serve, to look at things, church, we have to be able to say and look at our finances in the way the kingdom works. And so the desire here for me and for you is that we would do things scripturally. So I'm going to, you know, uh, I, I want to... One sermon, I'm going to talk about the New Testament versus the Old Testament. Is tithing a New Testament principle? Yeah, if you knew the fear and trembling I have in my knees right now, you would... um, It'd be interesting. Yeah, I, I, I think that that as we walk through the Old and New Testament giving, you'll be surprised that some of you will be happy with tithing. You'll realize that New Testament giving was a little different than what it was in the Old Testament. But the issue, again, is not about whether it's 10% or whether it's 15% or whether it's 20%. The issue is... Out of your heart, God loves a cheerful giver. You know the measure you are ready to love by the amount you can give cheerfully. If someone else has to drag it out of you kicking and screaming, it's not going to come across as love. Can I get some credit around here because I did those stupid dishes? Should I be grateful? I, sorry, should shouldn't this lady be be grateful? I tipped her fine when I came in here last week. Or the pastor's always going on about how we need to help the poor. Sounds like another guilt trip to me. If you're thinking and feeling those things, you are discovering the limits of your trust. And as you voluntarily take risks to be generous, your heart will move to where your treasure is. So just that we're clear, this isn't just a message that Jesus taught, it was a message that Jesus lived. It says that when he came to Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax went to Peter and says, Does your teacher not pay the tax? He said, yes. And when he came to the house, Jesus spoke to him first saying, What do you think, Simon? From whom do kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons or from others? And when he said, from others, Jesus said to him, Then the sons are free. However, not to give offense to them, go go to the sea, cast a hook, and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me and for yourself. Think about the implications of this story. These taxes were not bills mailed to your door. Like, they were actually toll booths. They were insults to Jewish sovereignty. 
They were carried out by traitors who would burn their, burden their own people to line their pockets while giving the proceeds to the Roman oppressors. Jesus knew it was unjust, and he wasn't just he, and he wasn't prepared to pay it, but he trusted his father to provide for him. You see, the tax collectors wouldn't dare burden their own sons, and in family, fathers provide for their children, and Jesus, Heavenly Father, provided even for him. Jesus was compelled to be generous, in a sense, to give a tax burden that he didn't believe in, but he had access to limitless resources because he knew who truly provided for him. So here is wrapping it all up. One, anxiety. Are you facing anxiety this morning? When it talk about finances, are you in worry? A few weeks ago, I told you about my own anxiety and that the Lord showed me to come out here and to prophesy to the empty seats. I could stay in there, walk through jobshop.ca and try to handle the situation of what we face by myself with my own arm of flesh. But all I would get is, my, is what my arm of flesh could give me. And quite frankly, what we face is beyond me. It's beyond just each of you. But together, and for the fact that we have a trust fund, We don't have to have the arm of flesh as our strength, but we have the Spirit. If you're facing anxiety this morning, maybe it has to do with how you're trusting in yourself for your finances. Are you offended at me this morning? Well, thank you for that one amen. It could be that you're hitting the limit of how much you're willing to love. Thirdly, poverty. Poverty is that mindset that you don't have enough. And quite frankly, it affects a lot in every way, shape, and form in your life if that is taking root. Maybe you've forgotten that you're a trust fund baby. Your dad literally owns the universe and he's already wired the funds into your account. You see, trusting him is the only way to get that withdrawal. You can say you trust him all you want, but you only put it into practice with generosity. Now, I've sweated on this ending, but I'm going to do it anyway. 
I want to take another offering. You can't not talk about kingdom and money without actually doing it. Part of breaking the spirit of poverty is to give. You do the opposite of what the tendency is in your own life. It will break it. Generosity is something also you can only experience when you do it. Anxiety and trust means you place yourself in a position where He is your source. 